This summer, the world must answer one question. Why has no one made a popsicle that gets you high yet? That's right, it's summer, and it's time for you to get your hands on America's new favorite product, Danksicles. 20 milligrams of THC in two great flavors, the latest and greatest innovation from IndiCloud. Is IndiCloud the greatest company to come out of America? Maybe. But what we do know for sure is that IndiCloud is the best way to get dispensary-grade cannabis delivered directly to your door, 100% legally. Yes, they ship legally to all states. No medical card needed. Whether it's vapes as big as your head, flowers you won't find in your mom's garden, or of course, popsicles that get you high as What are you waiting for? Go to indicloud.co slash spring24 and get discreet delivery on top shelf THC products. Head over to indicloud.co slash spring24. That's co, not com, to snag 30% off your first order. Hey everyone, my name is Nikki Young and this is Serial Napper, an international true crime podcast. I'm back with another true crime story to lull you to sleep or perhaps to give you nightmares. I'm going to start tonight's case with a question. Do you believe in vigilante justice, particularly when the one receiving the justice is a child predator? Is murder more acceptable when the victim has violated and hurt other people? I ask this because we're going to be talking about Jason Vukovic, who goes by the nickname the Alaskan Avenger. This man would use the sex offender registry to hunt down sex offenders and enact revenge. Revenge for the victims, revenge for his own personal experience as a child, or was this simply an excuse for violence? We're going to talk about Jason's past, what he did, and what he is currently facing now. After we go through all of the facts, I'd love to know your opinion of the crimes that he allegedly committed, all in the name of vigilante justice. I'm going to include a trigger warning here for those of you who may be triggered by these topics or may not be in the right frame of mind to listen to this story. I completely understand. Take care of yourself. This is a very heavy subject. The subject of child abuse and molestation is never an easy one to talk about. But let's jump in. Jason Vukovic was born on June 25, 1975, in Anchorage, Alaska. To say that he had a difficult childhood is a complete understatement. His biological father was never in any part of his life, and for much of his very early years, his mother was a single mother. Later in life, his mother would meet and marry a man named Larry Lee Fulton, who was a devout Christian. Or at least this is what this man claimed to be. He claimed to be a Christian because his actions would prove otherwise. Maybe the only Christian thing this man did was legally adopt Jason as his own son when he was just four years old. But it would have been better for him to not even bother. When Jason's mother married Larry, everything changed. Now the household became very heavy on religion, and they attended church several times a week. I'm talking like two or three times every single week. And there were a lot of really strict rules to follow. But their home was anything but a traditional Christian household, as Larry would mentally, physically, and sexually abuse Jason and his brother. 
This included molesting them during their late night prayer sessions, which would have been incredibly confusing for a child to understand. In the article, Child Abuse and Other Risks of Not Living with Both Parents, published in Ethology and Sociobiology, there are some really terrifying statistics noted when discussing single parents and their children. The article states, If their parents find new partners, children are 40 times more likely than those who live with biological parents to be sexually or physically abused. According to a Missouri-based study of children living in homes with unrelated adults, children are nearly 50 times as likely to die of inflicted injuries as children living with two biological parents. That's why I think it's so important for single mothers and fathers to wait and not rush to move their partners into their homes where they have their children living. Of course, there are so many amazing, wonderful, caring step-parents out there, but the risk factors still need to be acknowledged. That's just a side note here, but again, an important reminder as we see this play out tragically time and time again. In Jason's case, in addition to the sexual abuse, there would be severe beatings when Jason would not do the things that were asked of him. In a letter written to the Anchorage Daily News, Jason described the horrible violence he was subjected to by the man who was supposed to love and protect him. Here's what he wrote. He beat me with a custom-made 2 by 4 I recall the scribed handle with wrap taped to protect his hands and holes drilled through the length of the device. He preferred to use a two-handed grip and beat me between my butt and the backs of my knees. These beatings were quite frequent and some days it was difficult to stand straight. At one point, the beatings became too much for Jason's older brother to handle anymore and so he ran away. This was, of course, devastating for Jason, who was only 13 years old at the time, and felt as if his brother had abandoned him. During their beatings, his brother was always the one to take the beating first, in hopes that their father would be too tired to hit Jason next. Now, Jason was all alone and had to handle the full wrath of his father's violence, all on his own. While it seemed like no one was really looking for his brother and he was treated as just another runaway, eventually the police would catch up with him. He was arrested for a petty crime, and this is when Jason's brother confided in the police of the molestation and physical abuse that was happening in their home. As a result, their father was charged with second-degree abuse of a minor in 1989, but he would take a plea deal and serve absolutely no jail time. This confession would also come with consequences. Now the whole family, including Jason's mother, basically shunned the brother for talking to the police. This is really messed up. This man was accused and charged with violating children, both sexually and with beatings, using belts, wood, and other objects. Yet, he was given no jail time and was even allowed to return to the home where Jason still lived. According to Jason... No one from law enforcement or from Child Protective Services ever even came to check in on the family after that. I'd like to think that we've come a long way since the 80s and now we prosecute abusers to the fullest extent these days, but in many ways, we still simply turn a blind eye or these cases fall through the cracks. Jason's mother and stepfather decided to start over somewhere else, where people didn't know that Larry was an absolute monster. They pulled Jason out of his school, 
they sold their house and they moved to a different neighborhood in Wasilla. And they decided to homeschool Jason moving forward so that he couldn't tell anyone their dirty little secrets. Again, Jason claims that there were no follow-ups, no periodic check-ins, and no counseling for the trauma that he had as a result of the abuse. And the violence and molestation continued. There is a video on TikTok that Jason's sister had posted, and it's an audio clip from Jason himself describing his experience as a child. I'll play it now because I think he says it best. There are many things that I've never spoken about, things that I saw as a child, and things that were done to me, and the experiences that I did not want to burden other people with. Memories that I've constantly tried to prevent from overwhelming my brain and nervous system, but that I can still, to this very day, feel crawling beneath my skin. The movies that my mind still privately screens on the inside of my eyelids. These are things that I could never put into words. I remember being hauled into this same courthouse as a child for an onslaught of condescending questioning related to the man who adopted and then systematically beat and molested my brother and I. And I'm ashamed to say that even though he was convicted, the state sent him right back to our home with no jail time to serve for his abuse. This is also when I received my life sentence. Nobody can be trusted. Not the church, certainly not the law. Once you've been branded with it, you're in a class of citizen that is less than human. When Jason was 16 years old, he couldn't take it any longer, and he decided to run away, just as his brother had done three years prior. He had a bit of money saved up from all of the part-time jobs that he had taken to keep himself out of that home. One night, he snuck out of his bedroom window to see if his parents would notice that he was gone. The following morning, he went to sneak back into his room to collect some of his belongings, and he discovered that his parents had left him a garbage bag on the porch. In it was some clothing and not a whole lot more than that. His parents refused to hand him over his driver's license or his social security card. Jason decided to take what little money he had and move to Washington. But while there, it wasn't long before he was completely broke, and he didn't have a state ID since his parents had basically kept everything, so he wasn't able to get a proper job. For a while, he bounced from different soup kitchens and shelters, but eventually, he turned to petty crime. He would go to different gyms in the area and look for any money that he could find that may have been left behind, but he would also break into the lockers and steal money and anything he could find to sell. Only five months after arriving in Washington, his theft caught up with him, and he was arrested by the Washington police. He spent nine months in juvenile detention for theft and forging checks. When he was released, he found himself in the same situation he was in prior to his arrest. He still didn't have enough money for food or have a place to live, and he absolutely refused to return home. So, he returned to a life of theft. Jason would later write in a letter, Being a thief and a liar fits nicely with my lack of self-worth, my silent understanding that I was worthless, a throwaway. The foundations laid in my youth never went away. The simple remained hidden, and everything I chose to do was built on those thoughts and feelings from the past. According to Jason, he tried to find a reliable job and would actually be employed for short periods of time, but things would always fall apart. He was smoking a lot of pot, and pretty much crime paid better at that time. 
For the next several years, all through his late teens and early adult life, he would be in and out of jail for different crimes like theft and driving without a license. Around 2008, Jason decided to move back home to Alaska where his plan was really to just start over and start fresh to try to get his life together. But instead, he continued to be a criminal and he wound up back in jail for stealing credit cards. When he wasn't in prison, he got married at one point, although that allegedly was a very tumultuous relationship and Jason would assault his wife, though he has denied ever doing so. Obviously, Jason's life was not an easy one. He wasn't an angel. He was a convicted criminal, despite his desire to do better. My family is getting ready to make a big move across the ocean to a place where English isn't the spoken language. This isn't my first rodeo, so I'm making sure I'm fully prepared by learning the language ahead of time. Sure, I know I can use an app once I get there, but you'd be shocked by how much gets lost in translation. I want to talk like a local, which is why I'm excited to use Rosetta Stone, the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in the language you want to learn and has been a trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered, including Spanish, French, Italian, German, and more. Rosetta Stone helps you to think in the language you're learning using an intuitive process that's designed for long-term retention. Their built-in true accent feature gives you feedback on your pronunciation so that you're easily understood by native speakers. They have convenient desktop and app options, so you can learn on the go, and they offer a lifetime membership that includes all 25 languages at an incredible value. And now you can save even more with 50% off. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Serial Napper listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today today. Sunnier, warmer days are almost here. Why not get a head start on looking and feeling your best this summer by trying something new like Factors No Prep, No Mess meals that are ready to eat in just two minutes? Get a helping hand to meet your wellness goals with Factors chef-crafted meals that include different nutritional options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Healthy meal planning has never looked so good with Factors fresh, never-frozen meals that are also dietitian approved No matter how busy you are, Factor can help kickstart and maintain a new healthy routine by making it easy to enjoy nutritious meals on the go. Plus, you'll never get bored eating the same thing every day because they offer 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week. We're talking restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon because eating healthy doesn't have to be boring. Personally, 
I love not having to overthink what I'm going to eat every single day because that's half the battle. And I don't have to bother with shopping, prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. But the best part is, these meals are delicious with ingredients you can trust. Crush your wellness goals this May. Head to factormeals.com slash napper50 and use code napper50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code NAPPER50 at factormeals.com slash NAPPER50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. In 2016, events would be set in motion for Jason to become what people would call the Alaskan Avenger. According to Jason, that year he began to hear whispers in his community about potential child predators who were living in the area. Rumors swirling around suggested that there were children in the area who were reporting being molested by people who were in positions of authority. Think teachers, coaches, parents. With Jason's past trauma, he became infuriated and completely obsessed with the idea of somehow fighting back and getting revenge for his past experiences, as well as for the children who were currently being hurt. This is when he began to read through the Sex Offender Registry of Alaska, which is a public record. You can quite literally go to the website, type in the city that you're in, and you're given a list of people who have been convicted of a sex crime against a child. I just did a quick search of Anchorage, and currently there are over 1,300 people listed in the database. The search results will tell you if they're compliant, meaning they have registered themselves, updated their address, checked in with their parole officers, or whatever conditions have to be met. Or if they are not compliant and the police are currently looking for them. Click on a name and you're given a ton of information about the person, including any aliases that they go by, their date of birth, their height, their weight, and what their convictions are. There's also a photo of them and their address, which is quite controversial. This is a highly debated question. Should we be publicly listing the addresses of sex offenders? In the United States, they do. In Canada, that information is kept private, it's only used by law enforcement. Some people believe that it encourages vigilante justice, just like the story we're about to dig into here. It's believed that it could actually push sex offenders into hiding because they're afraid of being named, hurt, or even killed. Which is basically the opposite effect of what we want the registry to do. We want to know where these offenders are. There is also some debate about how this could be dangerous, particularly because the kind of crimes that would require a person to register as a sex offender vary. Obviously, some offenses are much more serious and severe than others. For example, molestation of a child is a horrific act and absolutely should require registration. It's disgusting. But in some states, if someone aged 13 to 15 has consensual sex with someone more than three years older than them, then that could be a reason for the person to go on the registry. So if a boy and a girl are dating and one of them is 14 and one of them is 18, I mean, yes, in my opinion, that's an inappropriate relationship, but the 18-year-old would also go on the sex offender registry right alongside a person who has molested a child. 
All of this to say, there are people who side with the Alaskan Avenger and people who believe that he was a monster. But he was able to gather information from this public directory. So now it's time to talk about how Jason gained his notoriety and his nickname. Jason had a notebook that he would carry around with him everywhere. It was filled with the names of sex offenders who were living in Alaska, names that he had pulled right off the sex offender registry. Three of those names included Charles Albee, Andre Barbosa, and Wesley Demarest. He would later write in a letter, I thought back to my experiences as a child and felt the overwhelming desire to act. I took matters into my own hands and assaulted three pedophiles. Now, the first man that he targeted was Charles Albee. On the morning of June 24th, 2016, he knocked on 68-year-old Charles's front door. When Charles answered, Jason pushed him into the home and ordered him to sit on his bed. Then he slapped Charles across the face several times, telling him that he had found his name on the sex offender registry. He basically robbed this guy, taking some money and some belongings, and left. Only a few days later, at around 4 a.m. in the morning, Jason found the home where 25-year-old Andre Barbosa lived. This time, he brought a hammer with him and two female accomplices to basically document the incident. He knocked on the door and pushed his way into the home when Andre answered. He sat Andre down, punched him in the face, then threatened to quote-unquote bash his dome in with a hammer. All the while, one of the women filmed the whole thing on her cell phone. According to police records, Jason told Andre that he was there to collect what he owed. Then they robbed his home and stole his truck. Jason's final victim was 68-year-old Wesley Demarest, who had been convicted of attempted sexual abuse of a minor, a little girl only in kindergarten, actually. He had only served nine months in prison and three years in a sex offender treatment program before his release. Jason didn't knock on the door this time. Instead, he smashed a window of the home and climbed through it. Wesley's roommate heard the noise and went to wake him up. However, it was too late. Jason was standing behind him and made him leave the room so that he could handle Wesley on his own. As he did previously, he told Wesley to sit on the bed. However, Wesley said no. Jason asked him if he was a registered sex offender and he said yes. Then, Jason asked Wesley if he thought that he had paid for his crimes, and Wesley answered yes, to which Jason replied, no, you didn't pay for it enough. Once again, he ordered Wesley to sit on the bed, but Wesley refused, so he told Wesley to get down on his knees, and again, Wesley refused. This is when Jason completely snapped, and he began hitting Wesley on the head with a hammer while reportedly saying, I'm an avenging angel. I'm going to mete out justice for the people you hurt. Jason beat the man until he was unconscious and bloody on the floor. Then he stole some items, including a laptop, and he ran from the scene. Lucky for Wesley, he survived the hammer attack and was able to call 911 when he woke up on the floor. It didn't take long for the police to find Jason. He hadn't gone very far at all. They found him just down the road sitting in his car. 
He had all of the evidence there with him. The bloody hammer, the laptop that he stole, as well as the notebook that he always carried with him that had the names of those sex offenders, including the three that he had previously attacked. He was arrested on site and charged with 18 counts of assault, robbery, burglary, and theft. Initially, he pled not guilty. However, he decided to take a plea deal to have some of his other charges dismissed. For his crimes, he was sentenced to 28 years in prison, with five years suspended and another five on probation. A year prior to his sentencing, I mentioned that he wrote a letter to the Anchorage Daily News where he talked about the trauma that he had experienced as a child from his stepfather molesting him and physically abusing him. He talked about how that really affected his life and motivated his actions. It motivated him to attack these three men. It's really interesting, and I'll be sure to link it in my show notes so that you can read the full thing. But the ending of the letter made it clear that he regrets what he did, and he doesn't want anyone else to consider vigilante justice. He wrote, I urge anyone who reads to engage the proper channels to effect positive change. Do not glamorize my actions. Believe me when I say there is nothing glamorous about my life now. In October of 2020, Jason tried to appeal his sentence, stating that his PTSD from years of abuse was a mitigating factor in his case. However, his appeal was denied. His lawyer has said, I don't think he needs to be punished. He's already been punished. This whole thing started out as the punishment of a child who didn't deserve to be treated in that way. The good news here is that according to posts on social media, it appears that Jason is now finally receiving the help that he never got as a child. In September of 2021, he began PTSD therapy, which is both wonderful and tragic that he had to wait to be put behind bars to actually get treatment. His final victim, Wesley Demarest, has said that he has a lasting traumatic brain injury from being hit repeatedly with that hammer. It's hard for him to string words into sentences. He lost his job. He can't pay his rent. And some might say that's karma. As you can imagine, this case has garnered a lot of attention and a lot of support for Jason from people in Alaska and elsewhere. Many people feel as if his victims deserve to be attacked because of their past crimes. So now I open up the question to you. Do you think that these three victims got what they deserved? Do you think that Jason was really acting on his past trauma to deliver vigilante justice? Or do you think that it was just an excuse for him to feel justified in robbing these men? And finally, do you think because of Jason's childhood trauma that he should be given a leniency in his sentencing? Let me know what you think. That's it for me tonight. Before I head out, I wanted to mention my new Patreon program. I've recently revamped my Patreon program. I now have two tiers that contain ad-free episodes and bonus episodes, so you can check it out at serialnapper.com Patreon if you're interested in more information. If you want to reach out to me, you can also find me on Facebook at Serial Napper, or you can search for me on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Check me out on Twitter at Serial underscore Napper, or I'm on YouTube. That's Nikki Young, Serial Napper, all one word. Until next time, stay safe, stay kind, especially in the comments.
拜。